You may have a seat. We are starting a new sermon series for the fall, and it is based on this book, Gentle and Lowly, by Dane Ortland. By based on, I just mean I was in, uh, inspired. The idea was inspired by this. Let me read a few paragraphs from the introduction. It says this is a book about the heart of Christ. Who is he? Who is he really? What is most natural to him? What ignites within him most immediately as he moves towards sinners and sufferers? What flows out most freely, most instinctively? Who is he? This book is written for the discouraged, the frustrated, the weary, the disenchanted, the cynical, the empty, those running on fumes, those whose Christian lives feel like constantly running up a descending escalator. Those of us who find ourselves thinking, how could I mess up that bad again? It is for that increasing suspicion that God's patience with us is wearing thin. For those of us who know God loves us, but, sus but suspect we have deeply disappointed him. Who have told others of the love of Christ, yet wonder if, as for us, he harbors mild resentment. Who wonder if we have shipwrecked our lives beyond what can be repaired. It is written, in other words, for normal Christians. In short, it is for sinners and sufferers. How does Jesus feel about them? And so, what we're going to do, how we're going to do this is, we're going to take two chapters a week. And at the, at the beginning of each chapter is a phrase from a verse, a Bible verse. It's not even a whole verse, just a phrase from a verse. And there's going to be two per week, and that's what I or whoever else teaches, that's what we're going to focus on, not so much what's in the book, although we will read the chapters to see if there's something. Maybe sometimes we will use something from the book, maybe sometimes we won't. But that's how we're going to go. And if you're interested in sort of kind of following along, either preparing or following up, um, some of you have ordered books, and I think we have some. I don't know if they all came in yet, but I think we have some. Some people bought books that you could have, they paid for you, so you, if you want to go afterwards, you can. And we also have just like the, the schedule, because we're not going necessarily chapter by chapter, but here's the date, here's the two little verses or phrases for each week, and, and here's the, the chapters that they come from. So if you're interested, you can do that. If not, that's totally fine as well. But in this book, one of the things that Dane Ortland points out, and this is the thing that most caught my attention, is he says, okay, there's 89 chapters written about the life of Jesus in our Bible. Our Bible has four different accounts, four different stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, that tell the story of Jesus. And if you add up all the chapters from the, those four accounts, you get 89 of them. And so you're going to hear, when you read that, you're going to hear about what he teaches, you're going to hear about what he does, the miracles he does, the way he interacts with people, how he was willing to suffer and die, and how he rose again from the dead, and all of that's there, and all of that's in all four of the accounts. But there's only one place in 89 chapters where Jesus says, this is what my heart is like. Only one time, one place, where he says, this is what my heart is like. And now a few more quotes from the, from the book to get at why that is significant. The heart, in biblical terms, when the Bible talks about the heart, which it does a lot, 
is, is not just a part of who we are. It's talking about the center of who we are. Our heart is what defines and what directs us. Our heart is what defines and what directs us. The heart is a matter of life. It is what makes us the human being each of us is. The heart drives all we do. The, the heart is who we are. When the Bible talks about the heart, that's what it's talking about. Dallas Willard, when he describes the heart, he says it's like the executive center of ourself. It takes our thoughts, our emotions, our will, it kind of puts it all together, and this is who we are. If you think about the physical heart that pumps blood into every other part of the body, and the Bible talks about life is in the blood, it's pumping life, pumping blood into every part of the body. Our heart, uh, symbolically speaking, it's, it is what everything else in us flows from. So when we get at the heart, we get at this is who we are. This is, this is who we are. Now, Jesus says one time, this is what my heart is like. This is the center of who I am. And what does he say? When we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about God. He came from God, but he also was human being. He's God and human, both things, and so we're talking about the smartest, most brilliant human being to ever live. And we're talking about the human being who had the most power, the most authority, the most strength of anyone who ever lived. And we're talking about the human being who, even though he was tempted in every way just like we are, never sinned, never messed up, never missed the mark, always did what was right, what was righteous, what was good, what was just. We're talking about that person and we're getting at what's at the center of that person. What's at the center of the person who is the most important person of all time? Who's the greatest person of all time? What is at the center of who he is? So with that, we'll read it. From Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. It says, come to me, this is Jesus talking, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And here it is. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Of all the ways that Jesus could have chosen to say, this is who I am at the core. This is the first thing if you were to come to me and interact with me, this is the first thing that you would experience. He says, I am gentle and humble in heart. Sometimes instead of gentle, Bible translations use meek. Sometimes instead of humble, they use lowly. That's why we get gentle and lowly. One of the Bible translations does it that way. But it's just not what I would expect. Or it's not necessarily what I first go to when I'm thinking about Jesus, who, by the way, is showing us what God is like because he is God. Gentle and humble in heart? Gentle and humble in heart. What does that mean? One of the things that I, as I've been thinking about this, this phrase, he's gentle and humble in heart, over and over again, I get this sense that he's very accessible. He's very approachable. We, we, 
We can go right to him. Now, he is, his heart is more than that, and we're going to talk about different ways the Bible talks about God's heart in the coming weeks. But I want to build on this foundation that at the core, he is gentle and humble in heart. It doesn't mean he wasn't tough. He certainly was tough. He certainly was strong. He was fearless. People were in, the people that opposed him were in, even though they had all the power, all the authority, all the positions, all that, they were intimidated by them. They were scared about him. How'd, they had to get really underhanded to get him arrested and executed. And even that, he knew what was going on. He allowed them to do it. So it's not like he's some sort of wilting, weed, sweet, nice. Bit, but he is, he says, but hey, if you want to know me, you need to know I am gentle and humble in heart. I am gentle and humble in heart. So what, how is it that we're to respond to that? It's right here in this passage. There's two things. It says, Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, come to me for I am gentle and humble in heart. Come to me. The question is, do we go to him? Do we look to him? When we are tired, when we are stressed, when we are frustrated, he says, all you who are burdened, all you who are weary, so when that's us. When I'm tired, when I'm stressed, when I'm, I'm all, where do I go? What do I eat? What do I drink? What hobbies? Where do I go? Because I am tired, I'm stressed, I've had enough, so I just go to these things. Which, many of these things are good and fine to go to. But I go there first. I go to him last. And he says, come to me. If you're tired, if you're stressed, these, those other things can be good things. They can be helpful things, but they aren't going to be what our soul needs most. What our soul needs most is him. And by the way, he's here right now. He's not just way out there. He is way out there, but he's God. He's huge. He's everywhere, and he is right in front of you right beside you now, always. You can go to him, and there's an actual being there. It is God. It is Jesus, and he's saying, come. I am gentle and humble in heart. You can come. You can come, and he is there. But where do we go? So one of the things to retrain ourselves is, when I've had enough, don't forget to go to the one who's right here if I'll come to him. So that's one thing. Jesus says, come to me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. The other thing he says, if you keep reading, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Learn from me. Who do we learn from? I was thinking about 
Who do we pay attention to? Who do we follow? Who do we read? Who do we watch? Who do we interact with? Do we, is it the people who are really good in the athletic realm, in the movie star realm, in the political realm, in the news realm? We listen to these people, and what do we learn from them? What do we learn from them? Do we learn humble and gentle in heart from most of the people we pay the most attention to? Humble and gentle in heart. Gentle and humble in heart. I mean, who are you following? Who are you listening to the most? Who, do you, who are you most impressed with? Jesus is the greatest person to ever live. The most powerful person in the universe. The wisest, smartest person of all time. The one who can help us more than anything. And he says, learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. Most of us who follow him are not very impressed with gentle and humble in heart. We're way quicker to hang on to something else that looks really good, really smart, really gives it to him. He is gentle and humble in heart. And he says, learn from me. So... I played a little bit of soccer in middle school, but I played real football in high school. My boys would quickly disagree that that's real football. Uh, but both my brothers played in college. I have been coaching every fall and every spring for, I don't know, with maybe one or two or three exceptions, I don't know, maybe... 13 years, I've coached with a lot of good coaches. I have done, so I, my son plays in college, two of my sons play in high school. I'm, I've coached a lot of every age group. So I kind of know a little bit about soccer. And then I watch some people who've never coached before. Sometimes they coach my kid. So the other week and a half ago, I am coaching two teams, actually, simultaneously. About 20 kids, seven, eight, nine, and it's super easy. Super fun to just get them organized, get them, I mean, it's super easy. <laughs> They're going, but there's other people coaching with me. And so we, we got it going, and I say to, then I look over at the other field where there's like the 13, 14, 15-year-old team. Not one of my kids, none of my kids are on this team, which is probably maybe the only team that exists, though. Not one of my kids, I have so many. Anyway, <laughs> but what I see is they're standing around in a circle, and there's a goalie, and they're just taking turns, just running up, kicking it, safe. I see this a lot. This is not an uncommon thing. Kids like to do that. And the two coaches are kind of watching. Now, I've seen this before. This kind of thing. Actually, many of my teams used to do that until at a coaching clinic, someone said that that maybe wasn't the best way for kids to actually get better at soccer. So I say, hey, guys, can you do this next? And, and then I, I'll be right back. And I walk over, and I take out my whistle, and I blow it really loud. Everybody looks at me. I say, hey, I just went to two college soccer games last week. 
They warmed up for 40 minutes. You want to know, other than the goalies shooting on each other, how much time they spent shooting for 40 minutes in both warm-up times? I didn't say anything. I said, zero. They shot zero times. You want to know why they shot zero times? Because if you can't dribble the ball and you can't pass the ball, you aren't going to get any shots off anyway. And by the way, if you do actually get a shot off in a game, it's not going to be because you stood there, took three steps back, everybody just let the ball there, and then you go and kick it. That's not how it's going to work. So I would suggest that maybe you spend a little bit more time dribbling and passing than you do just standing there shooting, just a thought, see you later. They laughed. Now, if I was the coach, that might have actually been an okay thing to do. But that wasn't my team. And so then, the next day, I get to think about, okay, what's coming up? Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. And what went through my head was those two coaches who I didn't acknowledge. And I thought, man, I was a pretty big jack donkey. (laughs) And I just kept thinking, learn from me. Learn from me. Now, if Jesus, who always did the right thing, could still be humble in heart, how about me, who clearly didn't do the right thing? And so this past week, I just went up to him. And I said, hey, I want to apologize. I had no right to do that. It was dumb for me to do that. I'm embarrassed that I did that. And I'm sorry. And they were very gracious. And then they actually got into a conversation like, you know, we, we don't want them to be doing that. We tried to, and we had a conversation about it. It went a lot better. I'm just thinking about how well I respond to people who always roll out there, yeah, you know, I got three kids that play this, and I do. I mean, I'm always like, <laughs> Except for when I do it. Then I think it's, oh, they'll like that. They'll be really, oh, they'll want to listen to me. <laughs> I am gentle and humble in heart. Learn from me. He said this weird phrase, weird to us, because we don't live in these times. You know, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. My yoke is easy or kind. My burden is light. Now, the yoke... Just the thing they would put on the oxen when they're plowing ground. You know, it's around their shoulders and neck. Put that on. I feel like this is a really strange picture. Jesus is talking to people who are stressed out, burdened down. Everybody who's burdened down, let me put this thing on you, my yoke. Like, now, how about you take it off me? But the yoke back then was also metaphorically what a rabbi, a rabbi's way of life and teaching. And so if you were a student, a disciple, an apprentice of a rabbi, you would take their yoke on you, their teaching, their way of life. And I think it feels like when we take on the way of Jesus, when we really go to follow him, 
it can feel like this feels a little constraining because he doesn't just say like, well, if you're going to follow me, do whatever you want. Whatever makes you happy. It's not what he says. If you love me, obey me. He, follow him. Actually follow his way of life. If you're like, yeah, that cramps my style a little bit. But if we will do it, here's what we'll find. His yoke is easy, his burden light, and we will find rest for our souls. What seems like, oh, it's confining me, if we will learn from him, if we will follow him, actually sets us free. It's this strange paradox. So, Jesus is humble, gentle, and humble in heart, and he's right here. And we can come to him, and we can learn from him. But I think what we need most is to discover what is he, is to somehow discover not just up here, but in here, what he's really like. I'll go to, here are the two paragraphs right before the words that I read by Jesus. At verse 25, at that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Then Jesus says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal them. This idea of revealing, of God revealing, God is so huge. He is so beyond us. It's nothing for him to think about how galaxies work, to create things, to think about the molecules, to think, he, he just knows it all. He's totally different than us. And yet he chooses to reveal himself to us. He's delighted to, and it's not just because we're smart enough, we've figured it out, we're better than other people we've figured it out. It's just, he, we need him to reveal him to us. And he's pleased to do that. Maybe he keeps it hidden from the people who think they already know it all. But the people who come to him like little children, the people who come to Jesus, who learn from Jesus, Jesus says, I'll reveal to you what he's really like. And my prayer for this fall is starting with me, but that for many of us, we would come to know what he's really like. He is gentle and humble in heart. I think I've told this story a couple times, but it was quite a while ago, so I might not have the details quite right, but I hope I can pass the essence of it. This was over a decade ago, one of our oldest boys, I can't remember which one, we're at the dinner table, kind of goofing around a little bit, they're goofing around a little bit, and like a full big glass of milk just gets spilled all over everything. And I say, you're going to clean that up. You're going to clean it. You're going to use a wet paper towel. You're going to get your wet cloth. You're going to get it all dried up. And this is what happens when we're screwing around. This is why I just talked to you about not doing that. And the son looked at me and he said, okay, yeah, you will. There was no like defensive. There was no like, there was no anger. It was just like, okay. I mean, I was harsher than that. And then it was like, 
somebody. Remember, he's here. And even sometimes when we're not looking to him, if overall in life we're saying, help me out, he kind of interrupts when he knows we need it, and he just, it's like a little whisper, like, you ever spilled anything? Do you think he tried to do that? Do you think what you did helped that? So when he was done cleaning it up, I said to him, buddy, I'm sorry. It was just an accident. I know you didn't mean to, to spill the milk, and it's okay. We, we, we try to be more careful, but it's okay. Then this kid who had responded was like, yeah, okay. okay that's when the tears came it's like a lot of us are conditioned like we can hold it together yep we can no we'll be okay no and we are taking emotional meals in all, all the time of like that wasn't good enough you knew better you shouldn't have yeah. oh yeah well, i'm okay but when we come in contact with a heart that is gentle and humble the heart of god it's like yeah yeah, I need help. Yeah, just there is something about coming into that heart. There is something about, I think, I often attribute to God what I've experienced from you, from authority figures. And I think that's what God's really like. And Jesus came to say, I am humble and gentle in heart. I'm ready. So we're going to take a few moments to just try to capture that. I'll invite Matt to come up. He is right here. And he says, come to me. Learn from me. And so a lot of us, when we get out there, it's just going to be hard to come to him. So we're going to create a few moments to just allow us to Come to him. He, he is, I'm telling you, he's right there. So whatever you need to be comfortable, close your eyes, open your eyes, it doesn't, doesn't matter. But let's spend a little time just taking him up on his offer that we could come to him now. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you love us not like the world loves. There's a warmth, there's a patience, there's a kindness. love out of fatigue you aren't frustrated would you show us your heart in these weeks to come even in these moments now
want to be connected heart to heart. Our heart to your heart. Your heart to our heart. Come, Lord Jesus. Jesus. We don't even know how to come to you, but you say come, so we're coming. We're trying to draw near to you now. Would you make yourself known that you're drawing near to us? Show us who you are. Show us what you're really like. We want to know you for what you're really like. Take away all our misconceptions about you. Heal the things in our hearts that come from trauma or neglect or absence or harsh words. We want to know what you're really like. We want to know how you feel about us.
coming to you, Jesus. We want to learn from you. Teach us. Not just in our heads. Teach us in our hearts, Jesus. breaking off uh, false ideas of what he's really like, that he is the living, the alive God, alive all on his own, his own person, not just what our minds have made up, not just what our faith has conceived. He's breaking off the false ideas we've had of him. 
We say, come, Lord Jesus. We're coming to you. Would you bring the spirit of revelation to our hearts to know you better, to see you more clearly?